Welcome to the Hospitality Cash Flow Podcast, where you'll learn how to leverage short-term accommodations using multifamily and residential properties. With over 35 years in hospitality, real estate, technology, and sales and marketing experience, our hosts, Matt Anisis and Noble Crawford, along with an expert panel of guests, invite you to listen in as they share their knowledge, best practices, tools, and resources to help you maximize cash flow using real estate for hospitality. Hi folks, welcome to another episode. I think this is episode four of the Hospitality Cash Flow Podcast. And I'm your host, Noble Crawford. I am joined with Matt Anisis, and we're going to dive right in today and keep it a little bit short, but we want to cover a few key things that are going on. So first up, we just want to update you guys on some STR-related news and stats and kind of the the forecast outlook for, for 2020 and some things you can look forward to and, and expect as we we move forward in this space. So one of the things I wanted to cover, there was the CBRE report that was put out recently. So if you don't know, CBRE is a uh, Caldwell Banker, Richard Ellis, real estate services and investment company. And so they put out a report recently talking about some of the performance indicators and expectations for 2020. And so I want to share a couple of things with you because I thought they were of uh, unique interest. So one of the things is, is they're saying that the short-term rental supply growth is forecast to slow, I believe by 19% in 2020. And so, you know, that's interesting because for the years leading up to this point, the growth number has been, I believe, historically over 20%. I think last year is 26%. And so the supply growth is expected to, um, to slow down slightly into 2020. Now, alongside that, another point that they made was that suburban and rural areas are the primary venues for the short-term rental supply growth. So that's very interesting. And they also said that urban inventory accounts for, I think, 21% of the total supply in the U.S. And so what that says is that we can look for secondary locations outside of traditional urban locations to see that growth. And uh, so that's interesting. So things are starting to shift a little bit maybe slightly away from the urban locations into rural areas. And so that was interesting. Uh, let's see. Another thing, they said more than 100,000 net new short-term rental units are forecast to enter the U.S. market in 2020. Obviously, it's still, uh, still growing. They said that uh, Los Angeles has now displaced New York City is the largest short-term rental supply um, as of about 2018 and remained in the top last year in 2019. Three cities, Los Angeles, New York, and Orlando, make up 12% of all the short-term rental supply in the U.S. last year in 2019. And so hotels are really standing up and starting to take notice of the impact of short-term rentals in the market. And so I think that's pretty significant also. 
So that's just a little bit of insight into, you know, kind of the the areas that are looking to continue growing into 2020 and, and, and some of those numbers around those key points. So I thought that was pretty interesting. This is a fantastic, crazy. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty, pretty wild. I mean, people that are, are interested in participating in this space, it's definitely uh, not too late to get in. There's still a lot of opportunity there. So you'll want to, um, you know, you'll want to keep, keep an eye on that. Um, one thing I did want to mention, Matt, is, you know, we've, I, I know I have anyway, is I've, I've received a number of, of questions from, from operators or people interested in the, in the business model, uh, things like that. And so I wanted to provide the listeners with a way to submit questions that we can answer live on the show. And so with that said, listeners can email us at podcast at hospitalitycashflow.com. Podcast at hospitalitycashflow.com. We'll get your emails there. Ask us any questions that you'd like. We'll take a look at those and we'll answer them on the next episode. So definitely submit your questions there. Um, so that's a little bit of what I have today. Matt, what do you, what do you got for the listeners? Yeah, well, I wanted to, what I wanted to bring on for the listeners today would be uh, literally talking about the time and expectations as you're going after a deal, uh, just to kind of give you listeners a kind of an idea. We, Noble and I are always actively looking for strategic partners, um, whether they be land developers, um, apartment owners, um, and just individuals that are looking to maybe get started in the business or even those that are looking to scale their business to look to take it to the next level. And so with that being said, when you're going after a deal, you know, this is essentially going to be a multi-unit deal, potentially, you know, a couple states, long-term growth um, with this particular relationship that we're working. But the, the expectation and the, the timeline that you have to give yourself and the patience and then just the continuous um, effort, because you're, you're dealing with a lot of different um, things. You're dealing with, you know, different people's time. You're dealing with different people's business. You're dealing with, you know, just trying to come in and, help bring in a completely different uh, business, you know, model to, to their business plan, um, or even more so just helping them get under, um, getting the understanding of what we can do to help, uh, generate revenue and the, increase the NOI for the project. So just really that, that, that mindset and long-term planning. And so, you know, Noble, love to hear, you know, your thought process and just expectations going into any deal, uh, that you're looking to, get closed or you know just some of your thoughts and feedback absolutely well that's a good question i think my perspective will be slightly different and so maybe after i finish you can you know describe from your perspective as well we can compare and contrast um i think obviously one of the key things when you're looking to partner up with a developer or investor or, or something along those lines is really the relationship piece. And so, you know, as with any business, you know, sometimes it could take time to build a relationship to, you know, a, a point where you're actually working together or involved on a project together. And so, 
I don't know that you can put um, a, a time frame on it necessarily. I guess it really just depends on, you know, both parties and, you know, ha- how much they communicate. You know, are, are you able to communicate with this person frequently, you know, to develop a rapport with them? You know, are you meeting them at events? You know, are, have you had a chance to sit down with them in person, have a conversation? And so I yeah. think that portion of building a relationship could take many forms, but I think that's a key component that will drive the timeline a little bit, depending upon, you know, how quickly you can build rapport with this person. And so I'm the type of person that, if there's an opportunity available that I see, uh, I like to move pretty fast, actually. And so it, it's an exercise in patience for me, that's for sure, because I, I look at the the deal or the opportunity and I want to jump on it, you know, but I do understand that, you know, there's other things that come into play before you can execute a deal, you know, with a with a partner. So maybe you can, I mean, you've, you've probably been as much or more so here lately involved in that aspect of trying to put deals together. So, you know, I would be interested in, in your take on, you know, what is your expectation of, of, of the time frame? Yeah, well, that's a great question. And I think um, being patient, but being uh, aggressively patient, meaning just continue to be persistent, continue to stay uh, connected and just touching base, following up because, you know, people scheduled, but going into that aspect that you mentioned too noble is a relationship. So even in the midst of trying to build that relationship, just get creative and, you know, put the actively business part aside and just go and build that relationship. I um, even if it's still virtually, you're sending an email, you're sending videos, maybe you're sending in uh, articles and things of that nature. Uh, and so that would be the action step. Be patiently aggressive uh, on moving forward. So, uh, well, I did have a follow-up question actually. So just to give the listeners a little bit more uh, context, um, you know, Matt and I have been working on a, a particular deal for a short while now. And so what would you say, Matt, in, in regards to this particular deal, what have been some of the challenges for you in trying to get from point A to point B or to get to the next step in the deal process? You know, basically uh, timing, uh, knowing some of the components for the project. I mean, we were kind of had an early head start in terms of knowing that something was going to be available, but knowing that it still wasn't available um, during the direct ownership and then knowing a business plan had to be uh taken upon in terms of getting new units available for rent so with all that knowing there's a lot of moving parts a lot of you know post-closing procedures for a a property and you know for things to just get get going in terms of takeover process and so forth adding something new around the gate could sometimes be uh, a hurdle in terms of just and then of course just connecting and timing um connecting at the same time with you know sometimes multiple people in this case um, one individual so just being persistent you know going into it got it got it so just to wrap up real quick and correct me if i'm wrong but from what i'm hearing from you is that for the developer or the uh, investor or the property owner 
that is in the process of acquiring a new property while they are yet learning who we are, what we do, and our interest in their operation. Basically, what you're saying is there's a ton of moving parts involved in that property acquisition process, and that can have an impact on the time frame of us putting a deal together uh, just because there's so much going on just on that side of the coin. That's, that's correct. Absolutely. That's a great way to just paraphrase it all in a nutshell. Awesome. So I think for the listeners, you know, the one thing you can take away, certainly, like Matt said, is persistent, just being persistent, keep can, and continue to build the relationships because at some point, all that stuff's going to come to fruition and you're going to be in a position where you're able to execute on completing a deal that you've been working on. And so I, I, I don't know what that, that time frame could range. You know, maybe it's a month, maybe it's three months, maybe it's six months. And so just, um, you know, continue to be persistent, continue to go out there and build relationships with the uh, partners that you're interested in working with. Fantastic. Awesome. All right, folks. Well, like I said, this is going to be a short one. I just want to jump on and give you that little bit of content. And hopefully you can take that and run with it and go out and take some action this week. Fantastic. Thank you again for listening. Follow us. Make sure you go back in and you can click on some of the links below, following our pages and social and love to help you out any way we can. Thanks again. Thanks for listening to the show. Tune in next week to learn more about using real estate for hospitality cash flow. If you received value from this episode, please leave a rating and review. This helps the show reach more listeners. We truly appreciate your support.